You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today we'll be discussing Igris Moshe Orachayim Chelek Aleph Simon Kuf Mem Aleph, dated Yud Bet Teve Tav Shin Chet, so we're in 1948. The Shiva is written to Malat Kavod Yididiha Rav Chaim Begshlitash. Uh, I don't know anything about uh, Rabbi Weg. This is, so far as I can tell, the only tshuva uh, in Igris Moshe written to Rabbi Weg. It is possible that uh, I went to camp um, with a Chaim Weg, uh, who defeated me in the first uh, Mishnayis Balpeh contest uh, that I entered. He's a little bit older than me, and it's possible that uh, that Chaim Weg it was this uh, Rabbi Chaim Weg's uh, grandson. Uh, and it's possible that he's now teaching uh, in Lakewood, so if any of you have a connection and want to send regards to Maria Clapper, that would be great. Um, any case, um, as uh, usual in Moshe, we don't have the letter that Rav Moshe is responding to, but it seems pretty clear that he is responding um, to a critique of a heter he had issued. And we'll go through the points of the heter and what Rav Moshe says, um, and then I'll tell you um, a story about myself, and maybe that will um, tell us why this matters so much to Rav Moshe, and maybe it won't. Um, so what he says is uh, that Rabbi Weg said that uh, he wants Moshe Rosella, Mark Kavotarasa Lamar, Shitzarich Shiyelo Rishut, Laniach Befinem Yuchedet, Ezo Kli Shiyirza Hayomzu Umachara Cheret. Okay, so let's back up. You know, there is a thing called um, an Erev Chatzera, which is if you have property owned by different people, then you need to uh, create right, create a, an artificial uh, shared uh, shared community, shared space, right, through the food. We usually use boxes of matzah, um, and that becomes problematic in some cases um, because not everybody can, uh, can participate in that or was willing to participate in that, so we usually evade that by renting... Um, the rights to the space from a central authority, um, and then making right, and then making an of chaseros uh, that way. But another solution is what's called tvisas yad. This is um, from a gemara in uh, Erevin, really starting from a mishnah uh, in Erevin. Uh, mishnah is perichet uh, mishnah dalad. The gemara is on peheim uh, at which Rabbi Huda says um, that it's enough if you have property owned by different people, but one of the people has a tvisas yad in the other property. Um, so having a tvisas yad is enough to combine the spaces. And at least one way, we really pass in uh, both ways, but it's a machloket, um, that if party A has a tvisas yad, some kind of uh, some kind of possession in the other in the other party's property, that's enough. You don't even need an air of chaseros. Uh, so the Gemara is uh, example is you have one rich person who has lots of stuff, and they rent out the houses, they rent out all the spaces in their chutzner to other people to live in, but they still keep their own stuff there because they have so much stuff. Maybe it's commercial stuff, maybe it's not commercial stuff. The Gemara adds uh, other other sorts of examples, and we're going to be discussing in that in uh, in that world. So now Rabbi Weg said that in order to constitute a tefisas yad, um, you need. Um, you need that the over that the the person who's going to unify it because they're the person who has, who has ownership throughout. They have to have permission to leave whatever they want 
in a specific place in the other person's property, right? So let's say, right? So if right, if somebody's renting the carriage house in your uh, in your yard, um, so you have to what you have to do, right? So the rent, so that their rental makes it a different space, which should require an area of chaseros. But if you have permission to leave your axe, um, right, or your plow, uh, in right in a specific place in their house, and not just leave your plow, but you actually you have, right, that space is still reserved for you. Then you are uh, right, then you have a tzvisas yad. Okay, so that's that. Uh, right, so Rabbi Weg wanted all those requirements, right? That you have to have permission in a specific spot to um, right, to leave whatever you want. And Rav Moshe takes on all of these. He says it's a machloket whether you even need permission. If you need permission, um, it doesn't. It can be permission to leave a specific thing. And not to, or it doesn't have to be leave whatever you want. And actually, it's worse if your permission is limited to a specific spot. It's better if you simply have uh, permission uh, permission to leave something wherever you want in the house, or wherever they want in the house, as long as you have permission to to leave it. And it can be, it, it can be a specific thing. Right? It has to be something that isn't um, removable on Shabbos. Debate about whether that's just has to be halachically remo- non-removable or uh, physically non-removable. And all those things, Rav Moshe, uh, the, the, all the stringencies that um, Rabbi Wake tries to put on, Rav Moshe rejects. Uh, he says the first one is wrong, um, right? Because right, and he calls it pashut uvar. They don't need that. Um, that it's enough if you only have one thing. And he brings evidence which is not so powerful. Um, and in fact, his evidence throughout is not so uh, is not so powerful. Uh, his language is more powerful. He says about about the next one. Um, but the truth is that's not our um, our issue, because at the end of toward the end of the tshuva, Rav Moshe says is the following: Ach bichlal ein davar All these discussions that we're having, even though I think you're wrong, even if you were right, they would not affect the um, they would not affect my chiddush, which is what um, right. And what was my chiddush? Says my chiddush is shemarti. What he says is, look, the Gemara seems to be talking about a case where, all right, so let's say, you know, where I lend you my, all right, I rent you my carriage house, and then, right, I keep stuff that is not rented to you in the yard. But Moshe's Chiddush, and he calls it that, it's the Chiddush, is that, um, is that, even if I rent you the stuff in the house, right? So I rent you a furnished apartment. Um, so the fact that the furniture is there that belongs to me, even though you've rented, it's a little paradoxical because renting the space makes it, uh, right, requires an area of chatzeros, but renting the stuff undoes that and um, and makes me have a tfisas yad in uh, in your thing uh, so, long, so long as they're not, uh, they're not removable on Shabbos. All right, that's that's a chiddush, and Rav Moshe says that he just goes with it, right? And n- nothing you said affects my claim, uh, which is true, right? We can rent, we can say that, right? And this is what we're talking about. What if the landlord rents you a refrigerator or a gas oven or, or an oven? And there's another sheet that says it has to be a dafkin an eating space. So, uh, right, so a, a a kitchen appliance is probably a good thing unless you have a galley kitchen. And uh, and a dining room separately, which Rav Moshe doesn't uh, doesn't address. He doesn't mention that requirement, so we're going to leave that one out here um, also. Uh, right. So let's say I rent you I rent you I rent you the fridge. Um, so Rav Moshe says that's enough. Now the fridge is considered to be uh, my 
Why? Because the renter, right, has to keep this rented object in the, uh, right, in the house. Um, he can't. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the option of ceasing to rent the refrigerator. That's part of the. That's part. That's part of the lease. He's still paying for it. Um, and even if he chose right not to use it, that doesn't give him the right to remove it. And so he's a right. He's a socher, and a socher is a shomer, and a shomer space is considered a socher space is considered rented to the uh, to the maskir really, um, ironically, um, right? It's considered right or, or uh, is meshubad right? Is is under lien to the to to the um, right to the renter, and so therefore, my I rent you the fridge now. My fridge is in your is in your house. And therefore, we don't need an air of chateros. I can we can carry into each other's uh, into each other's houses. Uh, and even if Rav Oshes said, "Tell me," but the definition of a renter of a socher to integrate is that they have to be chayiv gneva veaveda, as be chayiv if it's stolen or if it's stolen or um, or lost. And in the standard tenancy contract, the end of the malchusa, it specifically exempts the. Renter from responsibility for theft. Rav Moshe says no. So that's just a tnai. It doesn't change the essential, uh, the essential socher relationship, and it's not masna al mashur for reasons that don't uh, right. So that would be that doesn't ma- that doesn't matter uh, that doesn't matter uh, at all. And he says, and as for why the Gemara talks about commercial products being stored in other people's stuff, as opposed to things that are rented to them, that was just a way of making them muksa. Fine, Rav Moshe gets through all this as well. He also says that this is uh, this is this is Pashut. Um, Fine, but then he says, right now we get to the last paragraph. Tvisas Yad means that I have that the owner has to have permission to enter. Right, or has to have the right to enter without permission from the um, that the the the, right, the person rent the owner has to have permission to enter without um, permission without explicit authorization from the renter. Zevada enuklum. That Rav Moshe says Rav exposition about that is certainly nothing. Because if the owner only has permission to uh, preserve his object there, store his object there for a set time. And he has no, you have no permission to enter at all. Right? Just you, you can demand that the other person produce the object, and maybe maybe not even that. I don't know. What to be able to, as long, maybe it just has to be acknowledged as yours. I don't know if Moshe thinks you have to be able to right, to demand the production of the object because the whole point is that the object is not removable. Uh, for the period of Shabbos, so I'm not sure why he mentions that. Who tefisas yadrushus gomer? Right. So, uh, Rav Moshe says it's right. It's clear that even if the owner does not have any right to enter the uh, right, we'll call it right, the carriage house, but really we're going to see in a moment we're talking about apartments probably. Um, so long as the object is rented and still belongs to the owner. That's enough to create a tefisas yad and not to require an of chaseros, and so therefore he says that your position, Rabbi Weig, that we require the owner to have uh, absolute permission to enter, that can't be said at all. And therefore, my ruling is absolutely clear um, in um, as a matter of practice, 
So what's interesting about this is that Rav Moshe has said all the way through that Rabbi Wegg's position is wrong, but in every other paragraph he has uh, at least tried to quote some kind of evidence. And this he just says you can't say this at all and doesn't bother quoting any evidence about it at all. Um, now, in terms of the question of whether rented stuff per se is considered a Tfisos Yad, um, which Rav Moshe also said was wrong in Pashat, right? So that appears to be against uh, the Dvar Avram uh, Gimel Lamed. I don't, I don't know if Rav Moshe was aware of that or not. Um, but okay, right? So that's what we've seen before. Rav Moshe says things that you know are are wrong that uh, other great Rabbanim say. Uh, I don't have anybody, um, haven't found anybody, if you can produce somebody, that would be great, who explicitly uh, rejects Rav Moshe's claim that the uh, owner has to have permission to enter at will. I can tell you though a story. Uh, when um, I first became rabbi at Harvard Hill uh, many years ago, I was asked two questions. One was whether uh, rooms with all Jewish students could put up a mezuzah with a bracha on their dormitory room, and the other was whether one needed an Erev Chaseros to carry in the uh, Harvard dorms, because the room, the, the rooms are rented to the individual students in them, but the um, but the uh, hallways are not, so you should really need right, the hallways of Chaseros, you should really need an Erev Chaseros to carry from your room to the hallway, and certainly from one room to another, um, which would make Shabbat meals and all sorts of things like that uh, complicated. So the svar that people gave to not require um, an Erev Chaseros was that actually the rent, the dormitory rental agreement um, was not for a specific space, but it allowed the university to transfer you from, room, from one room to another. Um, but it wasn't clear if the university could just do that arbitrarily as opposed to for its own purposes. And I thought that if I paskin that an Erev Chaseros was not necessary, that that would entail saying that you don't have specific residence in that room, um, you're not renting that room, and if you're not renting that space, then you couldn't put up a mezuzah. And I thought, rightly or wrongly, that it was really a, a big thing for students to put a mezuzah up with a bracha because uh, it was, you know, it's the first time really that they're living in their own space and putting up, right, living away from home in many cases, and putting up mezuzah is like, you know, is an important statement, uh, which I thought would have really positive consequences for their Jewish identity and observance, and therefore I required an area of chaseros, which um, required trying to figure out whom you could, right, who who could lease you the space in the uh, in the dormitories, right? Because in order to create an area of chaseros, you you right, there are many non-Jews. Um, non-from Jews, right, people, um, right, all sorts of ways, and then you have the hallways, right, so, in, in any case, so, so it's a challenge as to how you how you could do it, and we had to decide, could we buy it from the, uh, right, Harvard has a system where there are professors who are uh, they're resident advisors, but they're also house masters, did they have the authority to do it? That was a challenge. Um, A few years in, uh, I used to commute by bicycle from uh, Cambridge to Brookline, and the Boston Coal was then on my route. Um, so I would stop in and learn in the base Medrash. Uh, Rav Nachum Eisenstein was the Rosh Yeshiva then, and he was a fine posik and a wonderful human being. And I talked over this Shiloh with him, and he told me about this position of Rav Moshe, 
which he framed as Ramosha said that as long as the landlord owns the fixtures in the apartment, then you can um, right then you can allow you can allow allow carrying without an of chaseros, and that doesn't affect the because you're using tefisas yad. Tefisas yad doesn't affect mezuzah, and so I was very happy, and the students were very happy, and um, and uh, you know that's and we went on from there, and it was my fault not knowing the Rav Moshe. Um, so I don't really know why Rav Moshe says why he uses this uh, such powerful language in this conversation, and he has no evidence. But my guess is that um, he's, he's clear that, it, that he that this is a tshuva written to defend the psaki he's already issued, and my guess is that this was a psaki he had issued for many apartment buildings, um, and that he did not understand the lease of apartment buildings to give landlords the right to enter without permission. That you, know, you can look at the at the renters' code, and that is in fact uh, the case, certainly except for emergencies, um, and he didn't think that was sufficient. And so, um, conceding that this issue was uh, in doubt, and certainly conceding the issue, and he had no evidence, right? It's just an intuition as to which way it worked or not, it seems, um, would have you know, created massive problems in an apartment-based, uh, in an apartment-based society. Um, so I think that maybe Ramesh was thought it was really important in practice. It's possible uh, that this is a psaq he already issued in Luban, because uh, Soviet era stuff was very much built around uh, around the apartment buildings. On the other hand, in a communist society, how you deal with private ownership is also an interesting question. Uh, so it's possible that this was a this was a chiddush that he had a history with, or it might be that it was just a, a, a psak that was very that um, made a great difference where he lived, and uh, that's why he felt uh, compelled to defend it. Uh, if anybody has evidence about this one way or the other, remember that some weeks ago. I had hypothesized that Rav Moshe's um, going out of his way in, in response to Rav, Yaak, uh, Rav Yaakov Meskin um, on an issue that seemed irrelevant was because he had been involved in the stunning controversy uh, about whether, stun, whether animals that were stunned before Shechita are kosher. Uh, Rabbi Kivlevitz showed me that uh, some years later Rav Moshe wrote a very, very harif uh, letter on the subject of stunning, which doesn't prove but suggests strongly again that this was an issue that he had been involved in from the start. So if anybody can uh, produce evidence that the issue of Erev Chatseros in apartment buildings was a matter of great controversy, and that Rav Moshe's Psach specifically was one that had a real impact, uh, I would love to hear it. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 